Good morning. Welcome to High Point Online. My name is Amy Hubbard. I'm part of the leadership team here, and it is my pleasure and honor to be speaking with you this morning. Today, we're continuing on with our series on the Bible, the Word of God. We've had a great few weeks uh, from Pastor Andy, last week, Pastor Amy, talking to us about really the importance and the, the vital force that the Word of God is and Scripture is in our lives. And so I'm so excited to continue on uh, in that theme for us this morning. You may or may not know the Bible is actually many books uh, made into one. So the Bible has 66 books in them uh, split into the Old and the New Testaments. A little trivia for you this morning. The Bible actually has about 40 different authors. We aren't sure exactly how many because some books we actually don't know who the author was, but it's about 40 different people that wrote the books of the Bible and they wrote them over a span of, wait for it, 1500 years. So if you've ever had a favorite book series that you followed and maybe you've waited eagerly for the next book to come out, imagine waiting 1500 years, okay? Hard to, hard to picture. The Bible is written by people of different ethnicities, from different places, uh, different countries in the world, different social classes, and different eras of history. Uh, it's got multiple genres within. So there's books of history, books of law, prophetic books. There's the Gospels that tell chronologically the story of Jesus. There's poetry. There's letters. It really is an incredible book. And actually, it's a fascinating field of study to learn about how the Bible was written, how it came together through history. I was doing a little reading about that uh, this week, and I came upon the story of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but if you're somebody that enjoys, uh, you know, Indiana Jones movies or like National Treasure, this might be the kind of thing that really sparks your interest. Um, I read um, about in around 1946 or 47, in the desert, in the Middle East, there was a group of Bedouin shepherds. These, these were teenage boys, and they were just out herding their sheep, look, uh, keeping watch over the flocks. And as teenage boys often do, they just start throwing rocks. I have a 16-year-old boy. If you have teenage boys in your life, this is not going to be like a behavior that's unexpected, right? They're just throwing rocks as you do. And one of those boys picks up a rock and throws it into a cave that was nearby. And instead of just hearing the rock kind of bounce around in the cave, he hears a shattering sound. So they go and investigate. And in this cave are dozens and dozens of tall clay pots with lids on the top that look ancient in origin. And come to find out, those were part of what we now know of as the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were ancient writings written as early as 100 BC uh, and writ writings of the Old Testament. Now, of course, we already had the Old Testament, but this was the discovery of copies that were much older than we had discovered prior to that time, discovered by some teenagers in the desert. Now, among those Dead Sea Scrolls, were other writings that weren't part of scripture, but were just other writings of the time. And I read there were actually treasure maps. Okay, National Treasure Part 4 coming to a screen <laughs> near you. 
treasure maps of what were supposed to be gold and silver hidden around that area. Now, no one's ever found it now, <laughs> but you never know, right? So the Bible and the history and how it came together and the ancient copies of the manuscripts that we have, we could really just drill down and talk a long time about how the Bible came to be. And it is fascinating. But that isn't why we love the Bible. And that isn't why we preach from it. And that isn't why we focus so much energy on reading it and understanding it. See, we believe the Bible is not just a remarkable ancient book. And it really, really is that. We don't believe that it's just a historical document. And it is that. We believe the Bible is the Word of God, meaning that the Bible is part of God's plan to call humanity to Himself. You see, it's not only the story of God's people through the ages. It's actually a vital way that I can understand what God wants to say to me today, here and now. It's a vital way that you can understand what God is wanting to say to you here and now. We don't only value the Bible because it's a remarkable book that came to us through an incredible set of circumstances. You know, if I handed you a copy of Homer's ancient poem, The Odyssey, how many of you had to read that in high school? Hands going up all over the room, right? If I handed you a copy of that on papyrus and I said, this is one of the earliest known copies of Homer's The Odyssey, that would be an incredible thing. That would be a priceless treasure worthy of our utmost care simply because of its age and how rare it was. But in terms of power to change an individual life, this Bible that I bought a couple of years ago on Amazon and got shipped to my house, this Bible has more power and more value to me in my everyday life. We value the Bible. I want to be clear. We value the Bible because it is the way that we can know Jesus through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And by God's power, the words of Scripture can teach us, can lead us, can mold us to be more like Jesus. And so that, the receiving of the gospel and the understanding of it and the, the power it has to change our lives, that's everything. That's everything to us. So what I want to talk to us this morning is the power that we find in the Bible. And I want you to understand this morning what I'm saying, that the Bible as a book is holy, it's sacred, it's inspired, it's imbued with the breath of God and the truth of God. But the Bible in itself is not God. You see, we can't hold up scripture and, uh, you know, chant it like a, like a magic uh, spell that we can hope to get ourselves out of sticky situations, as tempting as they may be. The Bible is the path through which we know Jesus. And Jesus himself taught us that. In John 5, 39 through 40, Jesus is speaking to the religious experts and leaders of the day. And these men were highly educated and knew the Bible, the scriptures, completely by heart. And here's what he said to these experts of scripture. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. 
yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. You see, we can get really interested in the Bible as a book and, and what it says and maybe you know, the language and, and the, the rules and the things it sets forth, and we can completely miss the Savior that it is pointing us toward. And it would be silly of us to think that this warning that Jesus gave to the experts in the law isn't a warning that we ourselves should take heed of and should listen to. And in another place, Jesus tells his followers again how the scriptures pointed to him as Savior and how they too hadn't seen it. In Luke 24, 27, it says, Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So you can imagine, you know, have you ever played a game of like you're frustrated or stressed or worried and you flip through and you're like, Lord, I'm just going to flip. I'm going to stop on a page and that's going to be your message to me, right? And so, oh, I don't like that one. I'm going to try it again, Lord. You know, imagine you doing that and Jesus is standing there through the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'm right here. I'm right, hello, I'm right here. Here I am. The word of God is powerful and the Bible is so vital to us because it points us to Jesus. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells us about the word of God. In 2 Timothy, he says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, this is often quoted, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us where we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You see, reading the Bible transforms us, not because it's a magic book, but because it leads us to Jesus. You can be a religious person. You can be in church every week. You can, like the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you can be able to quote from memory huge portions of Scripture and still not be led to Jesus. Is your heart turned toward Him this morning? Is your heart turned toward Him when you, when you read the Scriptures? The Word leads us to Jesus, and through it, He teaches us how to live if we have the ears to hear. In the book of James, he also highlights this choice that we have. You see, we have this wealth of knowledge and, and teaching and lives to learn from that are chronicled in this book, but we still have a choice of what we do with that information. James says in chapter 1, he says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the Word of God planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. That's a powerful image right there. There's no more influential or powerful book in the history of humankind than the Bible. 
hands down, yet it only has the influence in your life that you allow it to have. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? When it comes to societal changes, when it comes to leaving a mark on humanity, there is no more influential and vital book in humankind than the Bible, yet it cannot make a mark on your life. It only has the influence on me that I allow it to have. You see, I receive salvation through faith in Jesus. I can't earn it by any means. It's a gift of God, but I obey Jesus by choice. He doesn't force that on me. And I learn to obey him through reading the Bible. So we've established, right, that the Bible leads us to Jesus and that we choose to follow him and obey him. But what do I do? Where do I start? Where do you start? This is intimidating, isn't it? If you've never really read the Bible before, or maybe you're just familiar with some of the stories or Maybe, um, you know, you have a church experience where you felt like the Bible was maybe forced on you and you just have kind of a, oh, I don't know about that. Where do we start? What do we do now? That's the question, right? Well, a lot of people get frustrated because maybe they've been told they should read the Bible, read the Bible or change your life. And so they do. They open it up. They read it. They close it. They start to go about their day and nothing's different. Traffic is bad. <laughs> the kids don't behave. You fight with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend like nothing is different. Well, let me ask you this. Are you just totally ripped after one trip to the gym? You know, if you go and work out, do you go out into the parking lot after and just like lift a car with one hand? No, not, and nor would you expect to. You're not ripped after one trip to the gym. You're not best friends with someone after one uh, trip to Starbucks together. You're not an expert guitarist after learning like one chord on the guitar. Listen, there is a cumulative effect over time in your life of reading the Bible. It doesn't mean you're going to read it once and like, oh my gosh, there's birds flying through the air and singing and it's so wonderful. Usually, there's a cumulative effect over time. You are made right with God the moment you confess Jesus as Lord, but the transformation of your mind and heart, that takes a longer amount of time. It really takes your whole life. Last week, Amy King did an amazing job of talking to us about standing on the Word of God. She talked about allowing His Word to be planted in our hearts, meaning just reading it enough that over time, it kind of works its way into to your mind and to the way that you think. This is what reminds us of the truth. This is what gives us hope. You know, I love to read. I read a lot of books and um, I like to read fiction. But you know, it's funny, as much reading a fiction as I do, when things are stressful or hard in my life, it isn't a quote from the latest John Grisham novel that pops into my head to encourage me, or it's not my favorite Jane Austen uh, book that comes into my mind as much as I love her, right? It's scripture. It's the word of God. And so when we talk about letting the word being planted in your heart, that's what we're talking about. Because I don't remember the first time that I read in Psalm 23 where it says that the mercy and goodness of God follows me 
I don't remember when I first read that, but what I do know is that when I got some really bad news a couple of weeks ago and I was in my head just thinking, why is this happening to me and what am I going to do now? I don't know when I first read that verse, but I do know that it came into my mind and that God used it to remind me, hey, my mercy, my goodness, my loving kindness pursues you more than the bad news, more than the circumstances that my goodness and love is right on your heels. Now, the only reason I even knew that in that moment was because I'd read it in scripture. So when we talk about standing on God's word and how it points us to Jesus, this is what we mean. It's not about uh, this book being a magic tool. It's about Jesus being in this book, the Holy Spirit using these words to transform my life. Now, transformation takes time. It's bit by bit, little by little, most of the time, all right? Just like, again, the physical exercise analogy. That kind of physical transformation where you've seen gains in strength or endurance, it happened because you put that time in every day. And it's not very glamorous, is it? In fact, most days, you're probably like, oh my gosh, I think I'm getting worse. (laughs) But the reality is that transformation is happening bit by bit. The Word of God will transform you. Not because it's a really amazing, cool book like from National Treasure, right? But because it points you to Jesus. If you're a Jesus follower and you're listening today, I want you to think back on some of your, maybe let's say five or 10 years ago, some of the biggest worries or issues that you had at that point, or even biggest worries you had when you first began to walk with Jesus. Just take a minute and think like, what were those? What were some of those things? Now think about now. I want you to fast forward now to present day. How have you changed from when you first began to walk with God? Now, maybe you have new things that you're dealing with, or maybe, you know, you're experiencing some of those old worries, but in a a different way or, or a new way. But the reality is that most of the time, the things that were a big deal to us in the past, we begin to overcome. We mature through those. God's word and the Holy Spirit transforms us. It doesn't magically make those things go away, but transforms us so that we can walk through those circumstances and thrive in the midst of them. God's word plus time plus consistency is what a changed life equals. So what do you do now? You don't know what to do? Start with the small group. Start by joining one of our high point life groups and talking through scripture and what we read together. You see, the Bible talks a lot in different ways about the power of community The Word of God is often best understood in community. Paul wrote his letters to groups of people. Jesus taught crowds of people and small groups of people. He worked daily with 12 disciples. So yes, your relationship with God is yours alone, but you are meant to be in a spiritual family and growing together. So get in a small group if you're not in one, or go to Starbucks with somebody and just say, hey, I read this in the book of John, and I don't, what exactly, what do you think this means? Talk about it with someone else. That's how we grow together. The other thing is, look, (laughs) to read the Bible, 
you got to read the Bible, right? <laughs> you got to read the Bible. Now, you may not like reading. Reading may not be your thing. I just want to get real practical here for a moment because a lot of times I hear sermons or messages that have really great ideas or principles, but I walk away from that message going, well, yeah, but like, how? How do I actually do that? Okay, so to let the Word of God transform your life and the Holy Spirit through the Bible uh, change your heart, we have to read it. Now, reading may not be your thing. Don't worry, there's an app for that, okay? If you don't like to read or for whatever reason um, you can't work that into your day, you can listen to Scripture. That you, I'm going to be very specific. The version app that you can download onto your phone, you can have it read the Bible to you. You can pick whatever translation you want. These people have lovely voices, and you just put them in your ears, and you can read the Bible in that way. Figure out how to make the Bible a part of your everyday life. Find a translation that you like, that you understand, that impacts you when you read it. And then ask questions. And that's where the community aspect comes back again. Parts of the Bible won't make sense to you. Remember we talked about this was written by 40 other 40 people over a span of 1,500 years. There's going to be things in here where you're like, I'm sorry, what? What, do you, what does that mean? This is why we have the internet. <laughs> this is why we can research. This is why we can talk to people that we trust in our church and in our lives and be like, I read this and it doesn't make sense to me. This is all part of the process of God transforming your life, is learning how to make the Bible a, an everyday, a regular part of your life. But in the midst of all that, as we talk about reading plans and apps and what translation to read, the whole point is this, and this is what I want to leave you with this morning. This is all about a relationship with Jesus that transforms you and impacts everyone around you. Daily, little by little, the Word of God is what does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we close this morning... I want to ask you this. What is your next right thing? In response to this message, in response to maybe what God has been speaking to you this morning, what is the next right thing that you need to do? Maybe it's that you need to trust Jesus for salvation. The gospel and the plan and the purpose of Jesus that's laid out in Scripture, maybe it's time for you to submit your life to God, to welcome in relationship with Him and forgiveness of sin and to really experience the great, great love that He has for you. Maybe your next right thing is to start a Bible reading plan, either where you sit down and you read a certain amount a day, you listen to it. Uh, there's all kinds. There's a wealth of information out there. In fact, a lot of our High Point folks are doing a reading plan through the book of Mark right now. Maybe it's time for you to experience the Word of God in community through a life group, whether on Zoom or in person in real life. Maybe it's time to begin to take what you've been reading on your own into the context of relationships with other Christians and talk about it with them. Maybe it's time, maybe your next right thing is to pick a book of the Bible to study more intently, to really just delve into it. You guys, there's so many resources. There's so many ways to do this. But the bottom line is the Word of God points us to Jesus. 
And if we love Jesus, that's what we want, right? So let's figure out a way to make this a relevant and a daily part of our life because over time, that's how we see uh, the transformation and change that the Holy Spirit so wants to bring into our lives. Amen. Let's pray. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for me today that if you're going through something difficult, something challenging, and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit brings scriptures into your heart, brings recalls those to your mind, just like he did with me, the example I shared with you. Um, if you're going through something, I want to pray for you this morning. If you feel like the Bible is dry and has no relevance to your daily life. I get it. I felt that way before too. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit um, causes those words to come alive to you and that you see their relevance to you. So let's pray together as we begin to end our time together. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that um, what an amazing book the Bible is, God. But even beyond all of that, God, I thank you that it is powerful day to day in our lives that Lord I thank you that your word points us to Jesus and so father for those today that are going through pain and difficulty Lord I thank you that you have hidden your word in their heart and God I pray that it would rise to the surface that the word of God would encourage them would comfort them that your word would remind them of the truth Lord today in Jesus name Help us to hear your truth and to receive it. And Lord, for those who just haven't connected with your word, Lord, I pray that it will come alive as we open the pages. Lord, I pray that um, you would speak to us, God, that we would receive instruction, that we would receive wisdom, that we would receive um, confirmation that we are your children, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Go with us into this week. We trust you with our every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for being here with us.